This is where two cousins talk about entertainment and life as creative people and creative careers. That's us. Yes. And we've been cousins for a while, but we haven't been podcasting for a while yet. So we thought we might change it, change it up a little bit. We have been cousins our whole lives. That's that's how long we've been cousins. It's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, it's amazing. As if there was any other option, but I don't know. You never know. Yeah. We, we, I, you know, I, you're a pretty good cousin. S tier cousin, I would I say. Would, I would say like A minus if they had one for you, but for me, thank you. Since there's no I, A minus, I'll give you an A. <laughs> I'll t- um, wow, I give you S and you give me A minus? Dude, <laughs> I'm in fully insulted. Need right. some improvement. All right. What's, what uh, are we doing yeah. today? Connor, who are you? Introduce yourself real quick. My name is Connor Crowley. Not Crowley. People get that mixed up a lot. Mixed. People get that mixed up. No, um, I'm an actor. I live in New York City, Brooklyn specifically. I'm I'm just out here living the life, doing the doing what I do. I write sometimes, but I'm an actor, and I, yeah, that's me. I'm an actor. I. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not sure you're not an actor? I'm I'm an actor. I'm in the yes. theater. Heck yeah. But, but no, I'm just I'm just living life, living that New York City hustle bustle kind of life. What City about City that you? never sleeps. Insomnia. Yes. yes. Guaranteed if you move that there. That is true. That is true. It, it does not sleep. And <laughs> I <laughs> really know that. Going anywhere late at night, it's like, oh, it's two thirty in the morning and the, the train is full. Dope. That's awesome. Let's <laughs> perfect. Yeah, that's not quite the same out here. I'm I'm out in San Diego. This is Vince. I'm an author. And slower pace, same creative goals that don't involve acting. So yeah. they're not the same, but no, they are creative. No. <laughs> um, we both like writing, though. That's something we have in common. Yeah, and for sure. we both like movies, and we both like talking about movies. And we both have sisters and grew up in the same area. And they wanted us to shut up about talking about movies constantly while growing up. We talked about movies far too much. (laughs) 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 They still get on me. Uh, Every time I'm like, oh, dad, did you see? And they're like, shut up, please. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. This is finally our chance to take that talking, put it on an online space and monetize the heck out of it. Exactly. We just need to turn it into cash quick. <laughs> this is really our get rich quick scheme. If it you is. can't tell, this is our get rich kind of quick, maybe in a couple of years scheme. Yeah, that's what I meant. A couple of years, quick. A couple of years, it's the same. In the grand scheme of the universe, it's quick. Yes. Okay. Or, as it's applicable today, I should say in the grand scheme of the multiverse or the Spider Verse, because. Ooh. The first movies we're going to be blabbing about are the Spider-Man movies. Good segue, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I was working on that segue chops. Uh, yes. Not okay. the segue that Paul Blart rides, but the other kind. No, um, the, the seg you. Seg you. Yes, Not we'll go with segue. that one. Seg you. <laughs> U-E. <laughs> I still don't know how to spell it, but. I'll work on it. I was reading a script with my girlfriend, and in it, there's a line that's like, we segue, and she didn't know that's how you spelled it, and she goes, she, she was like, we seg, <laughs> like it's some fancy seg. I was like, babe, that's segue. She was like, oh. <laughs> I thought it was segue, like S-E-G-W-A-Y. I was like, that's that's what Paul Blart writes. That would make <laughs> Oh, all gosh. Right. Yes. So the Spider-Man movies, ranking all of these, basically, for some reference, today is a rank-off. And not every day that we're going to do this is going to be a rank-off, but what a rank-off is, is we take all the movies in a certain franchise or series that we love or that we've seen, at least, hopefully, or we haven't seen them, and we're just fooling you. But usually we have. And we rank them each and then compare what we think about them and open up and just blab about them. So Spider-Man's as good a place as any to start, I think. I think it's a great place. I mean, considering that it 
the the Sam Raimi Spider Man's was one hundred percent my childhood and yours. I know. Um. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. We came. We came out of the womb at the perfect time. Those movies came out in the box box office. So, if you think exactly. about it that way, exactly. Basically, we grew up along with them. Mm-hmm. Which is, I don't know if that's cool or depressing or or just nothing. I think it's just a fact. <laughs> it is. I think there's uh, too many memories of me sitting in the car and right when like car TVs became a thing, you would. You do you remember this? You would like <laughs> yes. you would you would they weren't attached to the car. You bought them separately and just right. put them on the back of your seat and then your kids could watch whatever. How many times I watched Spider Man three in the back of my car. <laughs> it's insane. Spider Man three was my favorite movie as a kid. And let's now, see if it's still your favorite let's movie. See if it's still my favorite movie. Uh, spoiler if alert. If it is. <laughs> spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> it's not? What? <laughs> Wait, quickly, I want to hear what, what's your best audio impression of the dance scene from that movie? Oh my God. Uh, the dance. The, it's, it, I mean, it instantly became iconic for all the wrong reasons. It's, it's, it's the best scene. It's so, I remember even as a kid watching it being like, what the hell? That, that's not, (laughs) all right. Why is, why is, why is Peter dancing? This one's weird. (laughs) I was like, Sam, Sam Raimi, what are you doing, bro? Even if we can't do an audio impression of that, I think we're still going to be putting some dirt in your ears when you hear about, uh, the bottom five. Oh yeah. You start us off, Connor. If you're going to rank... All 11, by the way. This is the ones we're ranking, just, just to give people some context. Yeah. We got the three Raimis, clearly. Then we got the two Garfield, Mark Webb-directed Garfield movies. The amazing Spider-Man. We also Spider-Man. have the three MCU movies, yep. and then the two Venom movies for fun, as well as the animated Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. Yeah. We're counting all Spider, in association with Marvel, Spider-Man movies. Yes, except Morbius, which hasn't come out yet at the time of recording. Yes. <laughs> and will we ever watch it? Probably yes. But Maybe. do we want to? Maybe not. That is... Yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Connor, hit me with it. What are your bottom five out of those Bottom 11? five. In order? In order from worst to worst highest. Worst to best. 11 to bottom seven. five. 11 to seven. My bottom is The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, Let There Be Carnage, Venom, and The Amazing Spider-Man. Right on. Right on. That's my we order. The same movies in our bottom five, believe it or not. You They're have just the same a, movies? Same movies in a slightly different order, but all okay. five of them are the same, which I actually wasn't expecting, so I'm... Kind of really? stepped on that. I, I was not I expecting you. you to go with me. All right, what's yours? Well, I got The Amazing Spider-Man 2 in last place as well, and then I Claire. also have Spider-Man 3. Okay. And the thinking there is Spider-Man 3, I know it's got some gems of moments and funny moments, and it's also got some good moments, but yeah. it doesn't like land out the series quite as well. Yeah, no, you know, absolutely I, not. Absolutely not. We can definitely dig into that one more. I think there's a lot to talk about there. But yeah, And then, I, for then sure. I've got Venom. Okay. The first one. And then I put The Amazing Spider-Man, and then it sounds like I like Let There Be Carnage uh, more than you do, because I put that in seventh. Yeah, I have a lot to say about Venom and Let There Be Carnage that for sure I need to talk about. Yeah, I was was watching those movies. I just watched them last night. I hadn't watched them before, and I was excited. I was so excited because of everything I've seen of like Venom. I love Tom Hardy. I love Venom as a character. And I hadn't seen it. I hadn't had it spoiled either. And I watched it and I was like, what? And then I watched <laughs> Let There Be Carnage and I was like, what? Why did they make a second one of these? <laughs> <laughs> it it did not live up to my expectations. And I do think Venom is better than Let There Be Carnage. Okay. What makes so, you say that? Even though, I mean, I think we can agree the villain's weaker, right? Yeah, the villains like, oh, in Venom. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the um, Cameron Drake. 
What's I don't his remember name? his name. Car- Carlton Drake or something. He No, yeah. he was very weak, which is unfortunate because I love that actor. Riz Ahmed, I believe his name is. Yeah. Have you seen Solomon the sound Nightcrawler. Of- I don't. I haven't seen that, but have you seen The Sound of Metal? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, one. the movie's so amazing. Like, we He's amazing. Watch Go watch that movie. So I know he is a phenomenal actor, but yeah, his character was so, so uninteresting, and so surface level sociopath and bad guy, like rich bad guy. That it was kind of like I've seen this a million times before, but better. Why am yeah. I watching this villain? I think that completely sums up the Venom movies entirely, I would say. Yeah. It's a lot of elements that we've seen before in other superhero movies, but they're put together in a way that, you know, sometimes is kind of out there or interesting, but usually is feels cookie cutter. And the fact that it's PG-13 doesn't help with that anymore. Exactly. The biggest things I had, it needed to be rated R. It yeah. Both of them. They needed to be rated R. And they need, they're like literally a whole plot point is that he bites the heads off people and he bites the heads off maybe two people and you don't see it. Like, I want to see that. Like, I know that's horrible, but I want the Suicide Squad level violence rip their heads off. And there's that whole scene in Venom where he's fighting all the FBI agents in the, after like going up to turn in Carlton Drake or whatever and he goes down and just fights a bunch of FBI agents before his girlfriend shows up or Annie, I guess their exes, whatever. And he just kind of like throws them around. I wanted to see him rip these guys apart. I wanted to see him literally kill them. Brutally. That's what I wanted to see. And I think in let there be carnage, it was even worse. He's called carnage. Yeah. He kills more people for sure. But like, come on, man, kill them kill them (laughs) kill them kill the innocent people please you know you say that and i definitely agree with you but i think that's more of a knock on the first venom and that's why i put let there be carnage higher is because i see that as something that was working with the first movie that was given to them and it keeps tonal consistencies narrative consistencies and it doesn't veer the movie off for better or worse into some other weird direction it feels consistent let there be carnage well, I mean, yeah, okay. It feels mostly tonally consistent. I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's a good movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a good we, movie. we can agree on that. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's fun schlock though, in a way that Venom bores me. Okay. And I'd rather turn on Let There Be Carnage again because it's still fun to see these characters go at it. It's still funny. I don't yeah. think it's good, and it's funny that Andy Serkis directed it too. I like. I like that he went behind the camera. Oh, Andy Serkis directed it. He did. I thought it was the same guy as before. No, I switched it up this time. Okay. Well, I get what you're saying, and I do agree. It certainly was more fun than Venom. Venom definitely was a little more boring, but I think I'm going to disagree with the consistency. I think Venom was way more consistent in tone and in in atmosphere than Let There Be Carnage was. I think all the stuff... Woody Harrelson was not the right choice. For Cletus Cassidy, he wow, interesting take. I don't think he was the right choice. They should have gone younger and also more intimidating because nothing he did was intimidating. I was like, "That's Woody Harrelson. Like, you're not scary, dude." And also, Shriek. What was that? That what a weird, bad yeah. character that made no sense. Came out of nowhere. Also, wait, people have superpowers in this world. I thought. Eddie, I thought Eddie Brock was the only one who became that. I thought this was totally hey, new. Don't question it, you know. Just don't go with the question flow. it. Sorry, it's Marvel, <laughs> man. Don't question it. That's where you went wrong, Connor. You went into the Venom <laughs> movies questioning things I and went. looking for plot holes and problems. You should have just turned off your brain and enjoyed them. Ah, That's you're on right. you. You're That's right. not on the movie. Yeah, but I think what both movies, especially the first one, what they could have gained so much from and been so much better venom could not decide if it was a horror movie or if it was an action movie and the horror bits were not scary and the action bits were not fun to watch so it just became and the same i i mean i just think it's funny that i'm saying like oh venom was this terrible movie and let there be carnage like oh it had this better tone i 
don't know, man. I thought Ven- the the problems in Carnage were worse than the problems in Venom. But no, both movies could have. That's why I think Sam Raimi, skipping ahead a little bit, Sam Raimi yeah. was like perfect for uh, I'm a, a Spider-Man Two. That scene where Doc Ock becomes Doc Ock. That is yeah. a terrifying scene because Sam Raimi is a horror movie director well, first and foremost. Yeah, Those I Venom mean, movies. Yeah. So I completely agree. Yeah, it needed to be scary. Like even Spider-Man Three, when Topher Grace, <laughs> when Topher Grace <laughs> becomes uh, Venom, when he's up in the bell tower and Peter's peeling it off, and it falls down onto Eddie Brock. That scene was better. I enjoyed that. That yeah. was scarier. It had well, then what I wanted. What makes that movie worse for you? Everything else about the movie. Everything, Everything else Everything about else. that movie. That movie, I guess I'll put it worse because um, it truly ruined a great trilogy. And yeah. just what it meant ruined. Right ruined everything Sam Raimi had wanted. And also, it wasn't Sam Raimi's fault. This is a huge case of producers were like, you have to add Venom. You can't make the movie unless you add Venom. That was literally what happened. And he was like, but I have Harry Osborn and Sandman. Like, that's what I want to do. And they're like, no, add Venom. And that's why Venom is the worst part of the movie, and Sandman is the best. I, You know what? I think, I think you're right to a certain extent. I will say this, though. The Sandman twist where he's involved in Uncle Ben's death is my personal least favorite thing about the movie. Entirely. That's true. But mm. I do think visually and tonally with all the rest of the Sam Raimi movies, Sandman's the Sam Raimi villain. And so is Harry Osborn, and they've been building to this. And I think the biggest problem with Spider-Man 3 is, you're right, it ruins all the buildup that the first two movies had done. And the great quality of those first two movies kind of fell flat. I think in and of itself, I'd rather turn on Spider-Man 3 over either of the Venom movies or either of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. But I, and I think it would rank higher for me if it was separate in some way from those other really good movies. But I think just because it's dealing with these two movies that I really love and it really drops the ball, I have a hard time giving it any real credit. Although, moving on, I think we, we both agree that it is better than Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. And... I don't, I don't know how much we have to go into that. I think that's almost a universally disliked movie. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I mean, I'm glad Jamie Foxx got his revival in No Way Home because his character was so bad. Yes. Oh, and by the way, spoilers for No Way Home if you're still spoilers thinking about for that. All It's these been movies. a while now. Spoilers for everything. If you yes. haven't seen No Way Home by now, come on. Like... Don't watch that a podcast on, on Spider-Man if you haven't seen No Way Home. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, Amazing Spider-Man 2, it sucks because great actors. It's the, it's the same thing. It's like, what a promising movie. Jamie yeah. Foxx is amazing. Dane DeHaan is criminally underrated. And also, I don't think he was necessarily bad as Harry. He was just written so poorly. And Andrew Garfield obviously is a phenomenal actor. Yeah, you can see my perspective on things as Here's an the actor. Thing it's I always like weird. that's what I look at. The movie it borrows from most is Spider-Man Three, which, if you're going to borrow from any of the movies that went before, why are you taking multiple villains and shoehorning Harry Osborn into things after he's not in the first movie? And mm-hmm. here's here's what I'll get to with it. And I think sort of the last thing with the bottom five is why is the Amazing Spider-Man, which in and of itself is a pretty competent movie, mm-hmm. why is this in our bottom five? And for me. It's because it's it's kind of a pointless movie, really. Like, they didn't really need to reboot the Spider-Man movies after Spider-Man 3. They could have done the lizard thing, building off of Kurt Connors from the other movies. And on top of that, the fact that The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is so bad and has some bad answers to the parents of Peter Parker questions and all that kind of stuff cheapens the first Amazing Spider-Man for me. It makes me enjoy it less. And I don't feel like going back and revisiting it as much. So for me, it's wedged in between those two Venom movies because it's, it's completely bland to me because of that. There are moments and scenes that are great, for sure. And it's not a bad movie. But it is in my bottom five because I don't feel like revisiting it. That's uh, interesting. I think it's in my bottom five because I think The Amazing Spider-Man is a good movie. Uh, it, in all terms, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's not the best movie, obviously, but it's better 
I think we can both agree it's better than all the other movies in our bottom five. Yeah. But I get, I get what you're saying. I just think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You're right. It is, it is. Why is it there? That's a, that's a good question. That's a good point. Why is it there? It has no purpose of being there. But man, I would a hundred percent rather watch amazing Spider-Man over the Venom movies. So I had to put it higher. I had to. I get that. I for some reason, Let There Be Carnage was kind of fun for me. I thought it. I thought it was dumb, but I, I'd rather watch that one again, maybe. But I totally get it. I think Amazing Spider-Man's a better movie. And uh, yeah, let's let's segue. Let's ride our segue. Ride our segue over into this next section, the middle three of this list. The middle what three are your middle chunk. Your six, your five, your four, Connor. My six, my five, my four are the MCU Spider-Man in order: Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Wow, interesting take. When we hit after Amazing Spider-Man, like six to one, all the movies are great. Like I really love the movies. I would watch them. I like them all. But man, I I set this up and I was like, the, the MCU movies truly build up and up and up to each other uh, very well. I had to, I, so Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home, that's mine. Interesting take. What's yours? For me, there's a big jump up from the bottom five, and then you hit Far From Home. And then there's another pretty sizable jump up for me, and then you hit Homecoming, and then Into the Spider-Verse. That would be really? my next three. Yes. Okay, so we have Far From Home and Homecoming. I liked Far From Home way more than I liked Homecoming. Really? Yeah, man. Yeah, let's, let's it, dig into this. I How thought, come? I don't know, maybe I remember Homecoming less, but I I don't remember it being, I remember thinking Homecoming and going like, oh yeah, Sp- cool, Spider-Man's in the MCU. Like, it felt like a movie that solely was there to put Spider-Man in the MCU. And they did a great job. Like, Michael Keaton is great. Uh, Tom Holland is obviously great. Everyone is great. But it's... It's a fluff movie. That that movie never comes back in the MCU. Think about it. I mean, mm. other than other than Spider-Man, what does Michael Keaton's stuff do that like surfaces back in the MCU? And that happens True. all the time. That might just be a yet thing, though. You know what Maybe. I mean? Maybe. But I do think you have a point in that there wasn't any real payoff with that in No Way Home, which would have been the natural time to pay that off. And I'm not saying I'm mad they didn't pay that off mm-hmm. or upset. I just think... You're right. It it does underserve Spider-Man: Homecoming in the grand scheme of things, but I would say I like it more than Far From Home, almost because of that. Because Far From Home, fine movie, great movie, does feel sort of like it has that Iron Boy Junior syndrome, where it's oh. he's just Iron Man redo, you know, redone Iron Man, and this movie is just MCU Part Twenty Three epilogue instead of Spider-Man MCU Two. Oh. And I get, you know, the Edna glasses are a big one for me. And I think it follows some of the threads that I didn't like from Homecoming. That's why I put it lower. Because Homecoming, I like as a movie. I think it's a really fun ride. It's just a good time, low level, pretty good Spider-Man movie. But I don't like how the suit talks to him, for instance. Or that he gets to the end of the movie after this journey with Iron Man, which is great, by the way. I love that they have that relationship in the MCU. I mm-hmm. think we can both agree on that. Like, that's, yeah, a, uh, that's a solid built one. Absolutely. But you get to the end of the movie, and his lesson is, okay, I learned to handle this situation on my own, but now I'm going to get rewarded by getting this Iron Spider suit. And the, the Far From Home had, like, a chance to take that back again. Iron Man died. Spider-Man can say, okay, how do I become my own person? Instead, no... It's leaning more on it. It's leaning more on the Iron Man legacy and leaning into things more that I don't think work as well for Spider-Man as a character, but they do work in the context of the movie. I do think it's a fine movie. Okay. I get you. I don't know, man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know, though. I think there's so much good. There's so many good things about Far From Home to me that put it above homecoming in the sense of, I think Jake Gyllenhaal was amazing. That whole character. I loved it. It was the, the twist of him being a villain was coming from my way. It's Mysterio. Like he's a bad guy. Duh. Like that wasn't even a twist for anyone who knows anything about Marvel, but still it, it was, 
a great dynamic between those two and i i loved it i also loved because i was like oh shit he's magic and no he's not he's a vfx artist i love that that was such a good bit and that whole scene where he's like messing with peter in the in the not dreamscape yeah but you know right. exactly what i'm talking yeah. about the i one mean that's the highlight of the movie it's sure. amazing that move yeah. that sequence alone to me puts it more than homecoming and not that homecoming is terrible but yeah I, yeah interesting take i would say from what i've seen on the internet you know i follow the consensus more from spider-man fans i think that's where my gut was with it but okay. i get your take because i also am not bothered by mysterio as a character lots of people are bothered by mysterio as a character what? i don't i don't understand that quite as much i get that he's influenced by tony stark and you're tired of the iron man same 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 old but like I get that more with the suits and more with Spider-Man and his personality. It's fine to have a villain that's still motivated by Iron Man. I think that worked for the themes of the movie. But Yeah, especially um, since Iron Man just died. Like, that right. was the thing. That was what the movie was about, is Peter Parker after Iron Man's death. So, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. And in the grand scope of the MCU, it was nice to have a natural just kind of slow down after Endgame. And this was this did that really well. That's true. The series, I think. It served that purpose really well. But in terms of a Spider-Man movie, I think Homecoming's a better Spider-Man movie. Okay, man. Dang. Well, uh, we definitely... How come you have No Way Home? Down here. And that's, versus that's what I was going to say. There's the real conversation. Uh, no Way Home was very good. I thought it was very good, obviously. My top four are like, okay, these movies are amazing. They're amazing. Uh, no Way Home, maybe I'm the only one in the world who thinks this, but No Way Home, I didn't think it was that good. I mean, I it was great. It was. I think it was the best of the MCU Tom Holland movies, but like... I feel like the problems were something just bugged me about it. Yeah. Like, um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. There's the spoiler. That's the big one. Oh, uh, no. Plug your ears. <laughs> Stop <laughs> listening. Turn away. Yeah, right. Um, I thought those characters, yeah, great. I love that they were there, and I love that they were there for a long period of time, but they kind of retcon what they were. I wanted Tobey Maguire to be more of a more of a uh, mentor. And yeah, he was in that moment, but overall he was kind of like him and Andrew Garfield were just making jokes too much. There were too many too much MCU humor for my taste for those two characters. Tom gotcha. Holland it works great for. Andrew Garfield just kind of became an idiot. You know. I personally liked him more. After this movie. I liked him in this movie. Yeah, I get that, but I don't know, man. And I, I guess in their dynamic, it works. I wish Tobey Maguire was a little more gruntled or disgruntled, mm. whatever the word is. Andrew Garfield, maybe. Something about their dynamic. It was great, but at the same time, I was like, it could be better. I do think something they handled well with that, though, is both of those characters were still in service of Tom Holland and his journey, oh, which yeah. I thought was a good move. Oh, they, yeah. A, they weren't just cameos, which was nice, mm -hmm. but also they didn't take over the show. Yeah. Which was also nice because it would have hurt the movie, I think. In For the long sure. Run. And I do think certain character decisions were made that I really loved. I loved the arcs that, that Spider-Man, mainly, mainly Tom Holland's Spider-Man, I liked his arc and his journey and having this be sort of his actual origin story in the mm -hmm. MCU with Aunt May dying and all this other stuff going on that leads, you know, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Right. He learned that lesson in this movie. That's cool. I had assumed that he learned it before, but now he finally really did. And I love where it leaves off for his mm -hmm. character. Feels like a nice return to form. Him swinging away in the classic suit. He's on his own. I love that. But what I think I agree with you in a little bit is there are certain things about this movie that if I start to think about them, really bug me. Like the setup. I don't like the whole messing up the spell. I don't buy it. Yeah, that one was kind of dumb. It, it was like, come on, man. Doctor Strange, you can't tell him, hey, everyone is going to forget. Who do you not want to forget? They didn't yeah. tell him. Doctor Strange is smarter than that. It's like, 
everyone is going to forget. No, no shit. He doesn't want everyone to forget. He's yeah. in the Avengers. Like, obviously, he wants all of his teammates to know who he is. Right. Because they already do. That's, I don't know. And also, the, I, I will say this. I loved the MIT thing because I was like, all right, which one isn't going to get in? Yeah. Which who's gonna get in and who's not? I was waiting for it to be like, ooh, they're Ned and Peter's friendship splits apart because Ned got in, but no, they all didn't get in, and I was like, that's yeah. super realistic, actually. That's actually what would happen if because of Spider Man, that whole thing. I right. that was I also just because of in general. Also, MIT is hard to get into. You know, yeah. even yes. if there was no Spider Man, I feel like the odds think... of somebody getting to MIT are pretty low. <laughs> so I just believe that scene. Considering Flash got in, I think they can get in. <laughs> Considering that that dude got into MIT, I think they'll be fine. Well, respect to Flash. He's a fellow author. You know, he wrote a book. He I, did. I have he to wrote a book. That, what's it called? Flashpoint? It was a good one. Flat, it's Flashpoint. Like the Spider-Man's the Spider, best friend. Spider-Man is something. It's great. Something that important. was a great bit. I loved it. That was hilarious. Let's get to the key difference. How come you like Into the Spider-Verse more and I like it less? I thought Spider-Verse was a masterpiece, dude. I thought it was amazing. And you'll obviously see where I put it, but I thought it was just so good. Sorry, my roommate is yelling right now. That's A-OK. Can you hear it? I mean, you can. I'll, we'll see if the mic can. Yeah, but, we, can, um, we can cut it out. Just, you can just I think it'll be fine. My mic is picking it up. I'll cut this. But um yeah. okay, I think Spider-Verse was a masterpiece, man. It was so good. It was the most stylized thing I've ever seen. And it was I kind of went in like, all right, I hope this movie isn't overhyped and I watched it and I was like, okay, it wasn't. It definitely also had its problems. In, in no way is a perfect movie. But you know, I I just loved it. It was so good. What an interesting take. And finally, Miles Morales. What a great character. And all these, all of the multiple spider men, people. spider men, spider people, they, they killed it. I loved all of them. That's the thing. I wish they had bigger parts. John yeah. Mulaney, Nick Cage, and the anime one, I wish they had more. They clearly cast them like, wouldn't it be funny if we got Nick Cage and John Mulaney as these parts? Yeah. And then yeah. they gave them like 10 lines. Like, come on, give them more than that. They're hilarious. They were so I funny. I wanted 10 times more of them. But uh, I loved, that's the disgruntled Peter I wanted Tobey Maguire to be yeah. in No Way Home. That was my favorite thing about that movie. He was so good. I love how it handled uh, a Peter looking back at his legacy later in life. I love that kind of stuff. It was such a pleasant surprise watching walking into the theater. I watched it in high school with some buddies, and you know, maybe like we felt like we were a little too old to walk into the movie. We had really low expectations. Blew me away. I loved it. Mm -hmm. But here's why I put No Way Home higher. And I, I honestly, on a movie like a storytelling level, in terms of like the cleanness of the multiverse logic and the actual story itself, I agree. I think In the Spider Verse is a better movie. Okay. I I do, but. The reason I put No Way Home higher is because it's dealing with these legacies and these characters that I've had movies to build interest in and care about, and it mm -hmm. handled them well, in my opinion. And to yeah. me, that's a lot of credit to that story. Whereas Into the Spider-Verse is amazing, and it's built with the whole multi multiverse in mind, and so its style is all built with that in mind. It's thinking about it. Kingpin as a villain? What a great decision. Yeah. What like a pared-down villain great. to go along with this multiverse stuff. Like, it's awesome. I think that's such a good decision. Mm -hmm. But where I slightly put it lower is it's not dealing with any of the legacy carryover from the other movies in the same way that No Way Home is. I, I get what you're saying, and I, I agree. But I also, I had to look at No Way Home and go... All right, nostalgia aside, do I like this movie? Put my nostalgia away, and you have to watch the. Obviously, you have to watch the Sam Raimi Spider Man and the Amazing Spider Man movies to watch No Way Home and enjoy it fully. Yeah, but you put that aside; still a great movie. But is it better than Spider Man? No, I don't think it is. I think Spider Verse. Spider Verse is what I was saying. Uh, yeah, Spider Verse. Gotcha, gotcha. 
took my nostalgia and somehow used it and made a completely new movie with it. Like the opening where I didn't even realize it was Chris Pine playing the Spider-Man in Miles Morales. It was Chris Pine. His was like, okay, that's clearly Tobey Maguire. They literally like mimic all the Tobey Maguire scenes. It's Tobey. Yeah, right. And that was awesome. And to have him like, to have him die, I did not see that coming for a mile away. I was like, oh my God, what? I was like, no way. I I didn't see that coming. And it, it was such a good, such a good like, twist and take on spider-man and i mean we'll yeah. get into this i do think having a black spider-man miles morales it was amazing it was amazing yeah i de- you know what i definitely think that as we're talking about it maybe in the future as i'm more removed from no way home i'll like into the spider-verse more because i do already think it's a better made movie yeah i just think some of the emotions and the the you know the acumen, I guess, it took to pull off the merging of these three Spider-Men in a way that made sense to me is more impressive, which is silly because Into the Spider-Verse has a new style that I brought to the table, which is really hard to do in animation because, you know, it's been around for a while. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and forth on those. But, okay, clearly we have, I have two movie. well, we each, you know, we each have our top three. Mm-hmm. So we Wait. know what's in it. Oh, yeah. Where, how would you rank yours? Well, very well, quickly. Well, actually, just give me your third. Give me your third movie. All right. Very quickly, on No Way Home, I will say if Willem Dafoe does not get nominated for an Oscar, I'm going to be so mad. He was <laughs> single-handedly the best part of that movie. No question. I can agree with you there. Willem Dafoe His laugh. is amazing. And every movie he's been in recently, he has not gotten the Oscar nomination. Me and Vince know The Lighthouse is oh. a crime that him and Robert Pattinson didn't get nominated. That oh, was so... a crime. That is my that's one of the best movies I've seen ever. That is yeah. one of my favorite movies. I can't even say favorite. I don't want to watch it again. It's hard to watch, but oh my lord, it left an impression on me. Yeah, okay. Robert Eggers is dropping another movie pretty soon. I am so excited. It looks so good. I am I haven't watched the trailer. I'm going to go and haven't cold. go watch no, the I trailer. No, I want to go in cold. Go watch the trailer. So um, all right. Going aside from Spider-Man, Robert Eggers and Ari Aster, I am at the edge of my seat waiting for whatever they drop next. They are my favorite directors right now, new directors. They're just gotcha. killing it. Both of their, their freshman, sophomore movies were amazing. And I, they're only on two movies. How? Yeah. I'm, I'm just sitting waiting for them to go and make their masterpiece. The next Spider-Man movie. Like literally <laughs> make the next Spider-Man movie. <laughs> All right. So my number three, I think we'll say the same thing. My number three is Spider-Man from 2002. You want to hear mine is? Is it Into the Spider-Verse or is it No Way Home? It's No Way Home. Okay. And yeah. we already talked about that. And I yeah. guess I don't a Spider-Man for me. It's it's so good. It just it's great. My top three are like amazing movies. So it it was the boldest movie made at the time. Superhero movies were guaranteed flops in the nineties and the early two thousands. Like before Spider Man came out, right? Superhero movies were a guaranteed flop. The only exceptions really being. Batman and Batman Returns and before that Mm -hmm. Superman the movie yeah and I guess you know X-Men sort of laid the blueprint for how a modern blockbuster with the Marvel characters and superheroes could be done but it didn't really nail it in the same way that Spider-Man came and did exactly exactly I think yeah X-Men found its stride it it got there and then it lost pace in the 2010s but oh I would say it lost pace before that that's a, did, that's a discussion Oof. for a different day. Yeah, we'll keep that. Let, we'll just shelve that I'm for a while. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. But Spider-Man, well, you know what? Spider-Man t- like, took off running, just killed it. Sam Raimi knew exactly what he was doing and just, it, I, it, I think it's a great movie. Perfect? No, not by any means. Mm. But that's the thing. 
all the casting is just amazing. Willem Dafoe, obviously, we talked about it. Back then was perfect for it. It's just crazy that he's still perfect for it 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, Toby Maguire was great. I think... They might have been a little old. I think that's maybe that's the only true. takeaway. With time, you know, you look back, you're like, okay, they're all high schoolers, sure. You know, uh-huh. that's sort of where the movie gets a couple knocks for me, is in a little couple dated things here and there. But honestly, upon rewatch, I find this to be the most rewatchable Spider-Man movie out of any of them. A hundred percent. I am with and you. It's super impressive that, you know, you had Marvel was bankrupt in the 90s, sold off the rights, the licensing for its film rights to its characters. And... No one was really using them. You know, they had the X-Men one, and so then they gave Spider-Man a try. And the fact that Spider-Man did well just opened the floodgates for a bunch of terrible Marvel movies in the early 2000s. Yes. <laughs> and eventually, Marvel Studios took, you know, took the decision to make its own characters that it still had rights to, which were the Avengers mostly. Mm-hmm. And here we are now. Here we are. And it's crazy. Like, really, without this movie, we no chance... No would way. we have the MCU? No chance would any of this be going on. Yeah. I think this movie is exceptional in its adaptation of Spider-Man, pure and simple, from comic book to movie. Yeah. I think it's really exceptional in that regard. For and sure. it's not doing anything too crazy, but it's fun. It's paced extremely well, super rewatchable, and it does everything that it does, for the most part, with a lot of filmmaking tact, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's going back. Sam Raimi is amazing. He's an amazing director who is so versatile in what he does that it's funny that the creator of Evil Dead made the best Sp- Spider-Man movies. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's so weird. But no, he, he just killed it. Y- you're totally right. It, it was done so well. And also, that since you said, like, without it, there'd be no MCU, if Spider-Man was never made... You could argue that movie theaters would be done, and that's a long—that's the long con, long time plan. But the MCU nowadays has created the need to go to a movie theater. Uh, without those yeah. movies, no one would go to the movies. Well, yeah, you just look at how much the Marvel movies brought in this year. I, there's this YouTube channel out there called Dan uh, Dan Merle. I th- mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing his last name wrong. I can't say it very well, but basically. <laughs> Merle, Merle, Dan Merle. Basically, he charts blockbusters and things in the movie theater, and Marvel apparently this year made up 30% of the box office sales. Just Marvel alone. That doesn't surprise me. And it released me. four movies in a single year. Yeah, they d- That's exactly. Insane. That's also the thing. They release so many movies. There are so many. And we don't think about it as, like, that many. But, oh, my Lord, there are so many MCU movies coming out. What came out this year? It was No Way Home, or last year. It was No Way Home. Yeah, last year. Shang-Chi. Eternals and Black Widow. Eternals and Black Widow. Yeah, and you know, you could say what you will about those movies. I've only seen No Way Home. I haven't seen the other three. Oh, you'll get around to it. I know We'll have to do an MCU ranking soon. Yes. But going back back to Spider-Man. That'll be a three-hour podcast. It would be pretty long. That'd be a long. Now I think about it. Uh... But, okay, for me, Spider-Man's a little higher. We'll move into the top two. Yeah, I mean, we know what me, the top two second. are now. For me, Spider-Man 2002 is second, and it wavers sometimes into first place for me. Really? I really, really love that movie. Okay. Um, I'm curious to hear what your second place is. My second place is Into the Spider-Verse. I just think it was amazing. I'm putting it above Spider-Man solely because it, it took the story that I loved of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and totally took a new spin on it and it worked. You think it wouldn't, but it worked. It did everything that Spider-Man 2002 yeah. did and just blew it up. It was amazing. I loved Spider-Verse. I didn't think well, I would love it this much. Here. It was great. I think the more you talk about it, the more I'm feeling like the same emotions I felt in the theater watching that movie. And I don't think I've seen it since. Maybe that's why I put it lower. Maybe the Maybe. freshness of No Way Home made me like it more. But Into the Spider-Verse is great. It was, it was so good. And now so, we're on number one. We, yeah. We both know what number one is. We knew Spider-Man what number two. one It's Spider-Man 2. And, okay, so I'm curious a little bit, before we get too into that movie, which is great. Yeah. Um, how come Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 aren't closer for you? I think Spider-Man 2 is one of the... I, you know what? I think Spider-Man 2 is the best superhero movie ever made. 
that wow. I, that might be bold, but oh. I think it's so so good. Doc Ock is it, what a perfectly crafted villain of someone you care about. It it I that might be the first time of like in the superhero movies where the villain is someone you care about that becomes evil and you're like no you're a good guy i know you're deep down in there dr octavius yeah i know you're down there and toby knows it right. too it's like having a role model for peter parker be a villain and not by his own will is was such a great choice and obviously peter quitting being spider-man it it just Everything about the movie is great. I literally wouldn't change a single thing. And talking about it before, this is where Sam Raimi is a horror director. That scene where Doc Ock becomes Doc Ock and is, like, beating the crap out of all the doctors. Perfection. No, not the pre- presentation. The, no, I said perfection. perfection. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. It's a perfect yeah. scene. It literally is perfect. It's scary. It's action. It's telling a story. And it's has no cgi that's the best part it yeah. is 100 percent practical i love that movie man and i think yeah spider-man 2002 is amazing but spider-man 2 clearly took it to the next level it's that's something there it to took me, it to the next level i think was something that's not Okay, it sounds easier than it probably would be because you have Spider-Man, which is a great movie, and it pulled it off and nailed it, not to discount Spider-Man 2002. Mm-hmm. But it was really rooted in what are what's Spider-Man's origin. Yeah. Who's his most popular villain? How do we bring that to the screen in a way that's natural? Yeah. Spider-Man 2 had to follow that up and really implement, yes, stories from the comics where he gives up his powers, certain shots were taken from certain panels. But how do you implement in a way that in a way that makes sense in a movie and make a good sequel out of it? And to just completely knock it out of the park is really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's really remarkably rewatchable, too. And I'd say this one is aged better than Spider-Man 2002 because they're not in high school anymore. You really, I mean, I, at least right now at this point in life, I really relate to Peter Parker in this movie. <laughs> you know, the highs and lows. Oh, yeah. I think we both oh, do, yeah. you know. Like, we're, we're uh, what, starving artists, basically, oh, right? Oh, yes, yes, we are. And, and Spider-Man relating t- to Peter Parker, what, what were you going to say? No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Well, just relating to Peter Parker's need for money and need for, <laughs> you know, yeah. no, just, I mean, that's, that's kind of, it's kind of a joke, right? But just the struggles he's going through getting by and getting through life, it's super relatable. And you really appreciate him at the end of the movie. And he's your, you know, he's your hero that you relate to. Just like in the comics, what made people appeal to him in the 60s when he came out is that relatability factor. They nailed it in yeah. this movie. And Doc Ock's a great villain, a great arc, sympathetic, yeah, awesome. Uh, I think Spider-Man 2, I don't know if I'd say it's the best superhero movie of all time like you would, but I definitely think it's at the top for a reason. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly, it, I think it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. It's the best Spider-Man movie. I think that, I, it's funny, I, when, when we were like, let's do a rank of the Spider-Man movies, I was like, all right, we know clearly which one is going to be first and last. <laughs> I think so. I think that's we knew. Ex- it was like first and last was easy. Everything else was kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. Putting my making my top three was like, that's easy. And making my bottom two were very easy. And then everything in the middle, I was like, oh my, what am I going to put? It was. Yeah. But I think my list, I stand by my list. I uh, don't. You don't I'm, stand by my list. Or you, you don't kinda, stand by yours. Well, no, I stand. Well, I think <laughs> I, I I don't completely stand by mine. I think I might change No Way Home and Into the Spider Verse after uh, yeah, discussing I, it with you. I think you're living in nostalgia a bit too much. Maybe a bit. And but also I do to think, say that to say that Amazing Spider Man is worse than Let There Be Carnage to me is like, bro. <laughs> Fair enough. But I will say I do stand by Spider Man Two and Spider Man being the top two by far for me. I think I don't think that's living in nostalgia either. I've rewatched them. Trying mm-hmm. to turn off my nostalgia goggles, and I love them. They're yeah. great movies for sure. So, and, and now we're put at number zero. We have <laughs> Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark, the Broadway musical <laughs> that I saw on Broadway. It was 
awful. <laughs> it was so bad. I loved it as a little kid because it was amazing. That show cost millions and millions of dollars. And it as a little kid looking up and seeing Spider-Man fly above my head, I was like... I'm in heaven. My dad hey. was literally asleep next to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Right. I think that's such a topic that we uh, shall we follow it up in another episode. We'll I save think. for another day. Yeah. So that about wraps up the Spider-Man rank off. I think. I think we've covered mostly. Anything else you really feel the need no, to say about him? That's no. that's looking like it's it. I think it's time for quick take. Quick takes. Quick, quick takes. takes. Quick takes. Everybody loves our quick takes. It's quick takes with Connor and Vince. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> that is great. Uh, yeah, as you can tell by the song, basically, we're going to throw a random quick take at you. It's anything. Could be anything. Could be a movie. Could be a, a show. Could be what we ate for breakfast. I don't know. Hit me with it, Connor. What's your quick take? We're My gonna quick take is... Wait, first, a word from our sponsor. Wait, it's our first episode. We don't have any sponsors. We okay, don't have any ahead, sponsors. Connor. We are broke. We're still broke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my quick take is Rockin' the Suburbs by Ben Folds. The album is one of the most underrated masterpieces I've ever listened to. It's amazing, and no one knows it except for my roommate. I came in, and he was like, you listen to Ben Folds? I was like, yes, dude. It was ugh. That album is so perfectly crafted. It, and it it's it to me is inside 20 years ago it's funny it's thoughtful it means something it's and it goes down and gets better and better and better and then ends with literally the best love song ever written okay that is my quick take interesting I, go listen you know, to rock in the suburbs i think you've played some songs from it for me i obviously mm-hmm. don't i don't listen to ben folds i haven't heard the album through i will give it a listen um, yeah, but it's funny. I didn't think I would hear about it from anybody else. But actually, my roommate listens to Ben Folds too, and sort of, I heard him listening to it. And he's like, "Oh, you ever heard Ben Folds?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I have for my cousin, but he's the only person I ever I know who's ever listened to this." Because I think he does have a similarity to Bo Burnham a little bit to me in the, like yeah. the style and presentation of things. But um, I also get vibes. Okay, maybe I'm totally off on this, but is it any way similar to like the Black Parade feeling that you get in how it's structured? And how I, it's presented. It may be similar, but Black Parade is so clearly like a story. That's another album that's so good. Um, no, I wouldn't say, yeah, maybe the same feeling, but it's not a concept album that tells a story like Black Parade does. So, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. It's oddly about him, Ben Folds, being a dad. Like, most of the stuff in that, in the, um, in the album. Is dad jokes? No, it talks about his son. He just had a kid. It's not, it also is a lot of dad (laughs) jokes. It's a lot of dad jokes. Uh, But, no, he just had a son. I think the son at the time of him making the album was like two or three. And... There's it's it there's one song called uh Still Fighting It where it literally opens like Good morning son. It's the weirdest lyrics, but it's like <laughs> Good morning son, I'm a bird wearing a brown polyester shirt. You want a coke, maybe some fries? The roast beef combo's only 9.95. And that verse is weird. That's the that's how it opens and you're like, "Hold on." And then he just keeps going and it's like, "Wow. It's a, it's a beautiful telling to his son it's it's amazing and a lot of the album feels like it's about fatherhood and that inspires me a lot in what i write and when i write i it's odd that i think of ben folds and that album a lot Hmm. interesting you know i think with music now with streaming and mostly singles coming out or little little bits of songs and stuff i think the art of album making Obviously, it's still there because there's so many musicians and so many people oh, making yeah. content, and there are probably great albums coming out that no one's listening to. But in terms of like the mainstream, what people are listening to, do you think those kinds of albums are few and far between now, unlike before when they're maybe a little more common? I think they're coming back. I think uh, a lot of time, yeah, the single rules the world, 
it, it, it always has and it does now. But um, it, it, to appreciate some people, obviously look at Olivia Rodrigo, that whole album, Sour, people died over that whole album. And the most recent Lil Nas X, everyone was like, this is an amazing album. I think when it just goes to show how good an artist actually is when their whole album is good instead of one single that's good. And, and that to me is where, yeah, maybe the difference lies. Back in the day, you could have one really good single and like you couldn't. It's weird that most people who had a really good single didn't suck. And nowadays, it's like, okay, there's some people who have one hit single, and the rest of their music is meh. Gotcha. But, yeah. All right. That was my quick take. Vince. My quick take is slight spoilers, conceptual spoilers for The Kingsman, which just came out. Okay. Uh, The third Kingsman movie. I (laughs) think its overall historical message is off base. It's out of touch. (laughs) I haven't seen it. Yeah. So I'll lay it out there for you. I'll lay it out there for why I kind of think this. New ears. I, just for um, you know background, I've seen the first Kingsman. I really liked it. Never saw the second one. I've also seen X-Men First Class, which is by Matthew Vaughn, the director. And I like, I like both those movies I've seen by him. I thought the Kingsman as a movie was just okay. There was one scene, I won't spoil, that had was really good. It had some balls. It was, it was cool. really nice. But the overall historical message of the movie kind of meddled with world war one and its morality in a way that it didn't really earn there were there was a secret society controlling things from behind the scenes and that was fine you bought into that like that's the fun of the movie oh they're the ones causing world war one for their own gain for this Mm. certain reason okay cool fine the kingsmen guess what form to stop them not a big surprise that's fun but the problem is at the end of the movie the kind of the takeaway is king george of england benevolent we need to keep serving him and England and his purposes versus, you know, oh, obviously the bad monarchs who caused this war. And I think there's a lack of awareness in the fact that a bunch of countries with nationalistic interests and, and selfishness about, you know, colonies and resources were all pushed to a head at the same time and were causing this war together. Yeah. Uh, if you can't tell, listeners, Vince is the largest history nut on the planet. And, no, I completely agree. I haven't seen the movie, but that totally makes sense. Yeah, and, well, I think it's something that maybe maybe when you watch it, you'll, I think you'll feel the same way, honestly, because I know that you're interested, especially in, like, World War II and World War I. Oh, absolutely. Well. I love and history. And I think that's something that I wanted to bring up to you for when you do watch it. And on top of that, I would say they handle one of the side characters pretty poorly, too, given that it's 2021. And um, there's no real exploration of the nature between, you know, like people who are colonized and people who are colonizing in a way that's really that meaningful. And I think that's kind of a fail on the part of the movie. Okay. Uh, gotcha. Do you think putting it out there so you can actually relate to this more in mm-hmm. a way? Do you think movies that deal with history have a responsibility to get that overall message right and to make things uh, should I say make a positive impact in the way that people talk about that kind of history? That's such a good question. I don't, I don't know. Obviously the answer off the top of my head is yes, duh. But also it, then it takes away, I guess the fun of sometimes making a movie. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, sure. Throw in some little historical inaccuracies. And I guess a lot of, like, I don't know. I feel like if Kingsman were entirely historically accurate, other than the the secret society, wink, wink, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It wouldn't be as fun. So I think most of the, I think in specific times in history, you should handle with care, but not necessarily. If you're making a movie like 12 Years a Slave and they didn't take that as seriously, I'd be like, all right, don't do that. But yeah. I don't know, something like Kingsman, it's forgiven, I guess, unless it's handled so poorly or or so no. inaccurate. You know, I'm not I mean, because here's by the, the thing. inaccuracies. Here's the thing. What about Inglorious Bastards? Here's what I think the difference of it is. Inglorious Bastards, you get to the end 
and the revenge is the payoff and clearly the villain is you know hitler and the nazis and these kinds of things and you get to the end and there's that payoff and everybody already knows the morality behind it clearly you know this is something that in one way or another is kind of deserved and is yeah. enjoyable to watch hitler and was the overall guy. takeaway about that piece of history isn't kind of off touch or that you know out of touch or off base what i think bothers me about kings the kingsman that came out isn't the historical inaccuracies in the movie because i'm not an expert in the area i don't know if they nailed rasputin or not he was interesting to watch just in general i don't know if Mm -hmm. he was accurate that wasn't my problem my problem is you get to the end of the movie and what are people who don't know about world war one left thinking about it they're left thinking oh thank god england was there like what where throughout history is that the lesson yeah that should be taken away about this piece of history that's a lot more complex and is dealing with actual human lives i think that's kind of what bothered me about the movie watching out so by the end you you root for england you're like go england by the end you're left with the sense that the king's been preserving england and its ideals above all because the king's in the right and all this kind of stuff is a good thing there's no real awareness about it and there's a couple little lip service attempts to make it more complex, but I do think, you know, in an era where James Bond is growing up more, and, you know, you could say what you will about certain the modern movies, whether you like them or not, I yeah. think it is handling the issue of a spy much more, like, responsibly and realistically and not feeding into kind of propaganda, which I feel like this movie did. It was I feel like it was a step backwards. Yeah. Is it, do you think it was just pure hardcore nationalism going on? No, no. I just think that the overall themes lent itself well to that. Okay. Not the, not the characters per se or the story itself, all the details, but your takeaway is a little bit, yeah, a little bit nationalistic, a little bit interesting that that's the take. Hmm. That is interesting. I guess in, in that case, then you're right. I mean, I think, you should look back at history with a questioning eye and ear, especially in something as deep as war, because it's not black and white. You shouldn't look back and go, other than like Hitler. World War One is right. much more complicated than World War Two. And well, even looking, World War Two has its complexities. Oh yeah, but, yes. but still, uh, you look back and yeah, to go, who was the good guy? Who was the bad guy? And, like, to pick one seems like an interesting choice. I mean, right. even I think American movies have done very well at making American war movies where Americans are the bad guys. <laughs> True, mean, but they've also done the opposite. They you know? definitely have. And it's interesting. They definitely have. See the differences. I think modern movies, Afghanistan war movies, uh, we are the good guys, which is funny. Yeah. And. But you look back at, like, I mean, Apocalypse Now is the best example. Uh, yeah. We're clearly the bad guys in that movie, and it's a great movie yeah. because of it. Uh, and then Agreed. you look at something like um, Saving Private Ryan, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's, 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 it's a little shady, I guess, because the guys are, you don't necessarily like them they do some questionable things but also that was world war ii so it is a little more easy to pick a villain like okay it's the yeah but in the same sense in the opening scene on d-day the most one of the famous parts that came out of it later is those two dudes who go up to one of the soldiers and surrenders and then he just mows them down what they were saying they were speaking in like dutch and they were saying, we're soldiers, we're prisoners, don't shoot yeah. us. Like, we're on your side, don't shoot us, we're not German, and he mows them down. Yeah. It's like, okay, that is a real thing that Americans would do, and to pick a side in that is, is interesting. But I love it when there's a, a gray haze. Where's the line? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Especially right. in war. In war movies, I think those are a little more uh, black. They shouldn't be black and white. No. And movies like 12 Years a Slave, duh. Like, duh, yes, slavery was bad. Duh, these things are bad. And when you go and look back at a historical, like, tragedy, obviously yeah. that's a different case. I've never seen one that hasn't handled it with care or at least 
tried to. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Kind of as a closing remark on this is that takeaway that you said about, you know, the Dutch people who are soldiers mm-hmm. for the Germans in World War II. And just the inclusion of that detail in a meaningful way in the story, going back, you revisit Saving Private Ryan, and that adds to the complexity of what's going on. And it's more realistic, and it's handled with a little bit more care. Whereas Kingsman, yeah, it's a goofier concept, but because they're just you know, kind of throwing comments certain places that aren't really handled that same kind of care, I walk away with kind of a bitter taste in my mouth about the actual ramifications of what that movie does. So that was sort of my overwhelming takeaway from that. If you ever watch it, I'm you know, curious to hear what you think. But Yeah, for sure. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We will be back next week. Yeah, there's going to be more. Not more cousins necessarily, but more content. We could bring in a cousin. We could bring in another one. Yeah, hopefully not a newborn. There, but. <laughs> there are many. Oh, hopefully not a newborn. <laughs> oh, geez. A newborn baby? No. A newborn podcast? A newborn yes. podcast? Yes. Newborn baby? Mm, no. Let's focus on their career. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been Once Removed. This has been Once Removed. Stay classy. San Diego. <laughs>